Hey, y'all. Happy to be in your ears here, Chase Jarvis. Welcome to another episode of the show. That's right, the podcast here on Creative Live. So, of course, I'm sitting down with a super smart person, but it's a slightly different context. You are aware that we have been doing something at Creative Live called Creative Live TV, which is a broadcast where we go into the houses, the homes, the kitchen counters, the couches, the studios of the beloved in our community of many of the rock stars, the world's top creators and entrepreneurs. And that is what I do today for a conversation with my dear friend, Ramit Sethi. And right now you're going, wait a minute, I think I think I remember this guy. Of course you do. He has been on the show a few times. Um, he is a financial guru. He wrote the book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. He has counseled me, he helped me automate my finances some 10 years ago, and that is still going strong. He's a New York Times bestseller. He's built an amazing community at I Will Teach You To Be Rich, and he, as we all need this advice, he does a fantastic job of providing counsel and vision um, around the time that we have found ourselves in. For us creators and entrepreneurs, the future is very uncertain, not just because of the incredible financial downturn, but because of opportunity. So it's not all doom and gloom. I know that there are so many people who are in harm's way, but I want us to know, I want you to know rather, and we talk about this in our conversation today, that you can both be aware of all of the struggle and the hard stuff and the downside and be able to see the upside and opportunity for you financially at the same time. And Ramit, better than anyone in the world, is able to hold these two ideas and provide an incredible guidance, an incredible service, uh, not just like the tactical stuff, but also overall inspiration, strategy, and how you ought to think. So I'm going to get out of the way and allow for this fantastic conversation between yours truly and Ramit Sethi about your financial stability and the opportunities here in a COVID-19 world for creators, entrepreneurs, small business owners, side hustlers, and everyone in this community, regardless if you're a full-time entrepreneur, a side hustler, a creator, whatever your identity, whatever you call yourself, Ramit has advice for you. So I'm going to get out of the way. And before I do, just a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, quick question for you before we get into the episode. Do you feel stuck by any chance? Do you feel like your dreams are are a bit out of reach or you've got more potential with this one precious life than you're realizing today right this moment you know what i got an idea life isn't about finding fulfillment and success it's about creating it so to that end i wrote a book it's a new book it just dropped in september it's called creative calling and it became an instant bestseller when it was released this past september now, if you dig this podcast, then this book is the perfect, and I mean perfect, companion because it takes the ideas we discuss here on the show, creativity, entrepreneurship, how to pursue your dreams and career, hobby, and in life, and it organizes them in a super clever and incredibly practical way that will help you take action in pursuit of your dreams. So I do have an ask, and that ask is that you pick up a copy or two, or who am I getting? Maybe 10. But again, here's why. This is not about a transaction. This is about a message and a movement. You see, creativity is a force inside every one of us that when it's unleashed, it transforms our lives and delivers vitality to everything we do. Establishing a creative practice is therefore, in my opinion, the most valuable and urgent task that you can do. It's as important to our well-being as exercise and nutrition. So I put 
everything I had into this book. I mean everything. It's 10 years in the making. Now, I know from math and numbers that a lot of you who listen to the show have already purchased the book. And for that, I say thank you. Uh, and I have a, a separate ask of you. And that is, one, if you haven't left a review, it would mean the world to me. I read them regularly um, and I'm sharing them on my social and I'm just so grateful to have your feedback. And thing two, thank you for being the messengers for this book. I know, as do you, that word of mouth is the most powerful way that we learn about things in our culture. And the fact that the book you know, went straight to the bestseller lists and is continuing to um, have incredible traction on a global level. I know that you're active and I just want to say thanks. All right. Thanks very much for listening. And now let's get back into the show. Ramit, what's up, bud? Good to have you. How you doing? Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. It's going to be great, man. It's nice to see your face. I know we've been FaceTiming a little bit more recently than normal. And, uh, this, we got to figure your fire in the background. It's just, it's down to a little flicker. What's happening? So this is the problem. First of all, I live in Manhattan, so I don't have a normal fireplace, but we left the city a few weeks ago. And so there's a fireplace here and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be Mr. <laughs> Mr. Rustic Countryman. And, uh, so I've been every, I've been doing this every night. I do a fireside chat on my Instagram live and I talk about money or starting a business or growing your income. And so every night I'm literally doing a fireside chat. This is sad because we're just starting. <laughs> we're, we're 60 seconds into today, and this fire is almost dead. So I think uh, I need to go back to my high-rise living as soon as I can. I won't hold it against you, man. It's fantastic to see your face out in the countryside. I just picture you, picture you as Mr. Like, you got your overalls on and your shit kickers and a, you know, a hatchet over your shoulder. Um, Anyway, I hope uh, you and Cass are well, and you've been doing these amazing fireside chats. Um, that's part of what inspired me to reach out to you, and uh, so many creators and entrepreneurs, when you know the most dynamic people, business people in our culture are, are, are entrepreneurs, right? And they're trying to find the silver lining in every tough situation, and many of us have businesses, and what can we do to connect and um, keep our dreams alive or find new opportunities in the face of adversity? So as someone who I deeply respect and admire and to watch you just snap into action, um, I think it's fair to say that you're taking your own medicine, if not, because I've heard you talk about, like, one of the most important things is to react quickly in the face of adversity. So maybe you, I thought that would be a, an, um, a softball for us to start on because you've been talking about it a lot on your channels, but um, it might be new to the audience here at creativelive.com slash TV. Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you that um, in times like this, I think that panic is bad, but overreaction is good. And I really mean that overreaction. So when I first started following what was going on about three weeks ago, you start to see the exponential math. And if you've ever studied exponential math, including compound interest, which isn't even exponential, you start to realize those numbers add up fast. And so I told my wife, we got to get out of the city because the, the only possible outcome is a quarantine. And we don't want to be here when that happens. So I started texting a few of my friends who live in New York. And this was the first they had heard anybody say that. And, you know, they were like, this guy seems like he's overreacting. And I was, but I would rather look stupid and come back sheepishly two weeks later than to be in a situation I don't want. I think that's true for all of us. Um, 
one of the things as I've been talking to the entrepreneurs that I work with, the people who want to know how to manage their money, I think the most important thing is um, to take a look around, accept reality. You have to accept it. Things are going to get worse, much worse before they get better. Let's just acknowledge that. Make a plan and then move. And that is the first thing to avoid being paralyzed, which I know is normal. It's our normal reaction. But in this situation, that's the last thing you want to do. So what what are some examples of move? Because you like physically moved, right? You went uh, to the deep into the woods of New Jersey. (laughs) 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 But you also moved with your business. Um, You know, I've seen um, the way that you're talking about some of your amazing courses that you've got on I Will Teach You uh, to be rich. And, um, so I've seen you move in lots of different, um, capacities. So, you know, walk me through how you thought about all the different areas of your life that you are sort of reacting and moving and, and maybe to quote you overreacting in, in a lot of those areas. But did you think about it like in like segment of your life by segment or how did you approach it? Cause I've seen you take a lot of action in a short amount of time. Yeah, I think that, um, I'll tell you what I did with my business, and then I'll tell you what some other business owners I know have done, because I think it is very inspiring in the face of a lot of fear. Um, So first off, what we did was um, the same day that we were leaving, we called an all-team meeting for our company. And the first thing people want to know is, do I still have a job? That's the first thing anybody wants to know. So if you are a boss, some of you watching have already had to make some really tough decisions, layoffs, furloughs. I told the uh, company, um, first of all, your health comes first. So most of our company, very healthy, but you might have kids, you might have a partner, you might have elderly parents who get sick. That comes first. So if you need to take time off, go. Just let us know. The second thing is we immediately issued a $1,000 stipend for anything relating to coronavirus. You want to buy extra food? You want to send something for your mom and dad in a different city? Just send us the bill. And we wanted to reassure them that we're here to take care of them as much as we can as as an employer. And then the third thing we told them was, we also expect that things are going to get worse. So we're going to ask you to fill out this contingency plan. It's just a template. If you get sick, God forbid, let us know where we can pick up your work so that the company can still continue going on. And so everybody actually felt reassured when there was a plan. So that's what we did first. That was with our team. And they always come first. The next thing we did was with our um, customers. So we went to them and we told them, this is what's going on. If you need to take a two-month grace period on your payments, let us know. We're happy to extend that to you. And just email us. And we will happily do it. Most of them did not take us up on that. But some of them did. And no matter what, think about a company that proactively does this. That's the kind of company you want to be a customer of for life. So we're trying to do everything we can step by step, personal, staff, employees. You do those things, you think proactively, you show people you care. And I think people remember that in a time like this. Oh, clearly. And, you know, I I think the... um we at Creative Live realized very rapidly we are in a position to add even more value. Everyone's moving to virtual conferences and meetings like this. And we've literally been doing this for 10 years. We invented it for learning companies. And 
we've also been not just the live stream part, but we've built this, you know, this catalog of amazing classes from the likes of you and Tim Ferriss and Lewis and Brene Brown and Richard Branson and yada, yada. And oh my gosh, you know, we have relatively zero, um, you know, marginal costs going forward on a lot of the, the content that we've created. So we want to make things as available as possible. We want to add value in a world where some other businesses might not. And for so many people affected who are in our community, creators, entrepreneurs, gig economy workers, side hustlers who may be experiencing disproportionate pain right now, we want to do what we can. And, you know, I just penned a, 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 an email to our, you know, the, the, couple of million people that are subscribers or in our in our um, community and the response was overwhelmingly positive I mean I jotted this email down and just like sat down and wrote it from my heart and the heart of the company and I was shocked at the it didn't change the economic relationship we have with 99% of our country our our our, uh, our community but for the 1% that it did or we made our health and wellness classes uh, free and our top classes so that we could provide that. And I was shocked at how positive the response was. And I think your point about being proactive and maybe overreacting um, is super prudent in the business side. What about in the personal finance world? Or I don't know if you want to comment on that. I, I mean, I, I just was sharing my own experience with doing exactly what you prescribed. And I just I found it powerful. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I think that's awesome. And I think that a small gesture like that goes a huge, huge way. And everybody listening, make no mistake, that 1% that you reached can actually transform a business. 1% who goes on to buy everything you cre- create can be massive for your business. But also it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. I think right now a lot of creators are saying, how can I help? Um, like I can't go out and go to a construction site. That's just not what I do. You are offering this. I'm doing fireside chats live. There are so many people out there who need something and we can talk about how to do that. But I think that call to action of how can I help in a way that I know how is well heard and people want that right now. And it's amazing the receptivity around the globe right now. Even just like, I think that you underscored a point, uh, emphasis was yours, but in a way that you know how. I think I've seen some people try and um, do things that they weren't predisposed to do. And then they, I've seen in my DMs on Instagram, like I try to, you know, I'm a uh, photographer, there's no work here. So I, I tried installing sprinkler systems. Yeah. And and um, I understand that like, we'll do whatever to make your, you know, provide for your family. But it just seemed there was some incongruent thinking. So how can you how would you advise us to think differently about that? So, uh, you know, like I said, going back to that, accept reality, make a plan and then move. So let's talk about making a plan. I asked my community at I will teach you to be rich. I have a lot of entrepreneurs who I've helped to start and grow their business. And I said, how are you adapting your business? And this was about a week and a half ago. So it was about 72 hours after everything kind of went downhill. I was absolutely amazed at some of the stories. I want to share them with you. There's a run, uh, running a shoe company in New Jersey. Announced free shipping, also free curbside pickup. 
So you never have to touch anybody. And people were all coming to the store and they were appreciating that versus the big box stores. I talked to a Pilates instructor who had hesitated to go online forever. She has her own studio. She went online. She told me that in the basically 96 hours after this all went down, she's already making 50% of what she used to make. Wow. Now, it's not, it's not what she used to make. And that's a huge pay cut. Let's be real. But that's just in four days. Yeah. So, uh, so let's kind of talk about this. I think first off, when I say accept reality, here's the really hard truth. Some of these industries are not coming back for the next year. Mm. Some of them are not coming back forever. That is a very, very hard truth to acknowledge. Um, anybody, for example, in the hospitality industry, Oof. it's going to be a tough time, really tough. And like, I wish there was some silver lining, but like, I don't see one. It sucks. It's not your fault. It's nobody's fault. It's just, it, it is reality. So we have to accept that and then mourn it. And that's okay to mourn it because two weeks ago we were going to work and suddenly we're not. And that is something that nobody predicted. Yeah. Uh, now, the next question is what are we going to do? And I think that it's actually really important to know when you are playing defense and when you are playing offense. It's okay to, like, I'm watching an extra hour, maybe more, of TV per day because Shit is crazy right now, and that's fine. <laughs> we don't have to be productive machines all the time. So I, I, I just want to kind of start off there. If you're eating a little bit more ice cream or, you know, some, we can't go to the gym like we used to or your kids are on iPads more than usual. That's okay. That's okay. It's, so it's amazing how acknowledging that just is like, huh, okay, un crazy times. Let's not try and keep the same standards that we had when our universe was entirely different. Yes, exactly. Let's just accept that things have changed and for most of us for the worse. And so we got to breathe. We got to acknowledge. We got to mourn what happened. And that's going to take a long time. Once we feel that and once we acknowledge that we give ourselves permission, it's okay, I'm going to watch a little bit more TV. I'm going to wake up later than I used to, whatever. Then we can start to look forward and say, what can I do to play a little bit of offense, just a little bit. And I think that it, for the people watching, if you're watching right now, you probably are at that point because otherwise you wouldn't be here. And to me, that's a very exciting opportunity um, to be able to think about what plan do we want to make going forward. So let's talk about offense because I'm you know, uh, with my last guest, Vanessa Van Edwards, also a psychologist, she's incredible. We talked about how to be both sort of recognize that we're in a tough spot and lean into opportunity or, or and be positive. Um, so playing offense in business is um, it's an entirely different mentality because it's not about hopefully it's not about life and death and it's about trying to make opportunity where there isn't some or find opportunity that it exists and it just looks a little different than what you saw in the previous iteration of your business or in the last chapter or the last quarter or whatever. So 
I believe, and, and part of what I wanted to cover in our broadcast today and part of what Creative Life TV is all about is like, how can we look at the positive? What, you know, the fact that we have more space now, we can be more creative at home. We have, um, I'm sure we've got our, you know, one-year-old bouncing on our knee, but what is it that we can do to shift gears, you know, emotionally, psychology, uh, psychologically? And then the second part of this question is like, let's talk about some of the tactics. So part one, Help me understand the psychology of getting out of the sky is falling, even in a place where there are people who are in harm's way. So how do you get your psychology over to something that is not, you know, the negative bias that we're often wired for? And then we'll, you know, following that, we'll talk about some of the tactics for actually playing offense in a world where um, it doesn't feel natural to do it. Yeah. Two parts. The first part about the psychology of playing offense, this really brings us to that move part. So let's talk about it. This is the first thing, and I believe this is so important, which is you must believe that your business is important. You must believe that your business is important because the first reaction I got from people when all this went down was nobody cares about my a blog on X or my product on Y. And I actually had a woman write to me and she said something I'll never forget. She said, Ramit, I've been following you for the last three years. I'm a nurse. I've been playing around with the idea of starting something on the side. But now with coronavirus going on, it all seems so foolish. Who cares about passion, following my passion or creating logos? She's like, none of that matters. That all seems so foolish. Now I'll tell you what I told her. I said, I, I'm so thankful that you're in the medical field and you're helping people. But if somebody needs a logo right now, that is not foolish to them. So many people need something right now. We need to remember that for thousands of years, humans have paid for entertainment. We've paid to adorn ourselves with clothes. We've paid for stuff just because we want it. And now there are still demand. There are parents who need lesson plans for their kids every day because they need to work. Okay. So there's that. There are business owners, including me who have needs and they are actively looking for them and hiring for them. There are people who still need things that they were already working on and they can't afford to stop. So we must believe that our business is important. And then and only then can we try to recover. If we don't believe it, then we're already out of business. We just don't know it yet. Yeah. I mean, if you don't believe in your business, who will, right? It's like, yeah. it doesn't surprise me to be able to say it on one hand, but to, to be working on something that you don't believe in at your core, I think that calls into question the your motives as an entrepreneur and some of your decision-making, right? Like you need to want to fight for this thing. And if you don't, what have you been doing? And maybe that's a you know, opportunity to reflect in, in, in and of itself. But uh, I don't know. I think that's quite, quite powerful. So the psychology of believing that we're important is key in making this, this transition from like, Oh my God, I'm, you know, my business is down 80%, which is, you know, I've, I've heard that number from some people. Yep. I've heard uh, some pretty terrifyingly large percentages. Is there anything else beyond believing that it's important that yeah. from a psychology perspective you want us to employ? Accept that your business may not survive. Accept it. And this is really important. I don't want to blow smoke up anybody's ass. Your business might not survive. 
That is the frank truth. There's only so many months you can go with 40, 50, 70% declines in sales before you have to close up shop. And that's already happened to many businesses, unfortunately. But once you truly internalize my business is important, but it may not survive, then you are free to start taking action. To me, that is the liberating moment for a business owner. Is that, yeah, there's something, um, if you frame it as it, it's all upside and it's all learning and it's all, um, isn't it, but isn't it tough to see that when you got to put food on the table and yeah. you know, how do we, you know, how should entrepreneurs in the protect the downside scenario, like, you know, are do you, are you coaching people to seek, um, you know, the opportunities that are made available to the gut from the government and from, um, all the different sources we've seen the cares act just pass. And like, is there any thing that you're advising people to do pr- to protect the downside in particular? hundred percent. Okay. You should take advantage of every possible way that you can to bolster your finances, whether it's your personal finances or your business finances. It's interesting that in this country, which, uh, which offers some level of a social safety net that sometimes when people need it, they feel really guilty about taking it. There's an article today in the New York times talking about people who were employed as recently as three weeks ago, and they feel guilty and embarrassed to collect unemployment or to even have to go to a food pantry, a a, a kitchen. You know what? That these services are here for times like this, times where you need it. You should 100% take advantage of it and never feel guilty about it at all. That's on the personal side. On the business side, there are going to be some opportunities available to business owners. It's still uh, up in the air, but it's going to become clear in the next few days. If you have an accountant, call your accountant right now. They are well-versed in what's going on, and they will tell you exactly what to do. Uh, If you have a business bank, call your banker. As much as you have access to a banker, they're probably flooded with calls. But very soon, it's going to be clear what to do to apply for loans, many of which are forgivable for business owners. So you should absolutely take advantage of these opportunities. For the Luddite uh, or the uh, ignorant, like let's, what, what do you mean by these loans are forgivable? There's the word loan and then there's forgivable. Those don't. It, it will, based on certain criteria, it will effectively be free money. Wow. So they're going to give you a loan and then say you don't have to pay it back. So I'm, again, certain criteria, of course, of course, payroll, yeah. et cetera. But this is, this is virtually unheard of. And because of the level of how bad things have gotten in the economy, this is an extraordinary thing that is happening. So every business owner should know you didn't cause this virus outside. You should take advantage of every personal and business opportunity made available to you because you need to live to fight another day as a creative, as a business owner, as a boss, an employer. So take advantage of these opportunities. All right. So if we, um, if we're able to sort of adopt believing our business is important as creators or entrepreneurs, we're able to get over the hurdle of accepting that, um, it may not survive. And if you've given us the advice that we really need to be pursuing all of the financial backstops that are going to be provided to us, whether that be an employment or cares act or any of the number of things. So there's a certain 
like, okay, stabilizing that. Yeah. But now I want to shift gears and I want to talk about the offense, the second part of that, because the first part is psychological, right? How do you mentally wrap your mind around that? And then the second part is this tactical, like what does offense look like in okay. a, a down economy? All right, let's talk about it. So first off, um, cut your expenses dramatically. I'm talking for business owners here. Any discretionary expenses, cut them. Any projects you're working on that are, you know, not launching till next year, cut them. And I know a lot of people, their first reaction is, well, it's going to actually be more expensive to cut it now than to keep it going at a reduced level. My answer, no. It's better to have money in your pocket now than to save a little bit for later. Cut it. Cut your SKUs, any SKUs that are unprofitable, cut them. Any products that are not performing, cut them. It's time to get lean and mean. So if you have, for example, most entrepreneurs have one or two products that make up the lion's share of their revenue. Focus on those, eliminate the rest, and simply worry about selling those. That's, that's playing offense by cutting expenses. Um, any, uh, I guess the, the, the big frame there is no more nice-to-haves. It's all about generating profit for your business. That's it. What, what, when people, um, a lot of people are experiencing this for the first time, any sort of a downturn. Some people weren't in business in the financial crisis of eight or nine or seven, eight or nine, or, uh, it's certainly some, uh, for whom nine eleven is, you know, they weren't in business. You may, they might not have even been, uh, born because we got a lot of young entrepreneurs that are in our audience. So for, for, this is new and this idea of cutting and, and what are some tips for how to look at your expenses and how to make some tough decisions? Can you get real tactical for us on that? Yeah. Um, so depending on the level of sophistication, like for, for many beginning entrepreneurs or, or even entrepreneurs who have been in business a long time, they don't have a balance sheet. They're sort of just looking at their bank account. I get that. I'm not going to judge you for that. You can deal with that stuff later. Let's talk about what to do now. So the first thing is to simply get out a piece of paper and say, where do I make money? What are the key areas I make money? Where do I spend money? How much do I spend? You'd be surprised, but a lot of entrepreneurs aren't even operating in that way. So let's do it. We write it down. And now we're going to start to say, is, I'm at risk of going out of business in the next 45 days. Is this going to help me generate enough revenue to get through the next 45 days? And you have to be honest with yourself, you have to be brutal. If it's not, goodbye. And this is going to require some tough conversations. There are projects that are you're working on, they're almost they're 90% done. We could just do it. No, you can't. Goodbye. And so this is where you have to get extremely disciplined about those projects, about um, outside vendors that you may have been working with. You don't have to eliminate. Uh, if you don't have to eliminate people, I would not. I mean, if you can keep them and redirect them to working on critical parts of your business. Great. But you may have to have some tough conversations as well. Yeah. And, you know, just to uh, echo some of those sentiments, I think when you're looking at your line items and you talk about this a lot around, like it's okay to, you know, buy your $3 cup of coffee every day, but look at the bigger items that you're either were opportunities to make more money rather than to not buy the latte or in the flip case that we're talking about now, like your biggest line items. If you, you, you cut Netflix for $9 and 99 cents, 
and then you go home from work and you don't have a way to burn off steam or to consume art or um, to have a Netflix watch party on FaceTime with your friends, like how that $9 might be pretty valuable versus, you know, your employee line item or your, you know, some of these other bigger line items where you make a smaller cut and it has a lot of a, a lot, much of a, a, a greater impact on your yeah. bottom line. I'm really glad you pointed that out. So it, we, we can speak about personal finances in a second, but on this point, it's totally true with both personal and business. If you're down to the line item where you're cutting $9 expenses, that's not going to save you. That That's not what's going to move the needle for you. So the big ones, whether it be key projects, technology that you just don't need right now, investments you've made, also folks you're working with where you can call them and say, look, I've got a tough situation. I need you to work with me on my payment terms here and stretch this out. I want to pay you, but I need to stretch this out over the course of a year. A lot of folks, vendors, partners will work with you. And that's on the business side. That's also on the personal side. I saw a note on one of your social handles about uh, credit card stuff. Yeah. Let's talk about okay. that for a second. Let's talk about that. So, so let's talk about personal for a second because they're kind of similar, but there's differences. So for everybody, we're now switching to personal finance. This is what I talk about in my book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. All right. So what do you do with your money? All right. For the step one is I'm now recommending people focus on creating a one-year emergency fund. Now, I've never recommended that aggressive for everybody, but now I am. Why? Because I believe this is going to be worse than people predict. You know, some people are saying three months, not, never going to happen in my opinion. But who am I? I'm just a guy sitting in front of a fireplace. So you decide. Now, how do you get a one-year emergency fund? Well, let's talk about it because there are actually some surprising opportunities. First off, you need to know how much that is. Figure out how much your bare minimum expenses are for a month. And that means if one of, let's say your partner loses his or her job or your business goes under, what are your bare minimum expenses? Multiply that by 12. That's what you need to work towards. Now, if you can't save a year's worth, that's okay. Let's just set it out there as a target, but we're going to start with whatever we've got. So how do we do it? Step one, if you have any uh, vendors that you are paying, credit card companies, student loan companies, even your landlord, it's time to pick up the phone and you tell them, I'm being affected by COVID-19. I need help. What can you do for me? These credit card companies, not all, but some of them are extending terms. They're holding off payments for months and you make sure you ask them, I don't want to pay any interest or finance charges. Many of them are playing ball. So you can save three, four, five, six hundred bucks a month right from doing that. Hey, that's a pretty big amount just for a few phone calls. Oh my God, that's the best use of time for so many folks that are especially the hardest hit. You know, yeah. like that's a that's great. I, I just want to interrupt for a second and say that this is a global thing, right? I'm um, I'm looking in our chat across a bunch of different uh, platforms we're broadcasting to. We've got um, Oslo, Norway. We've got um, Oh gosh, we've got New Zealand. Uh, we've got uh, a few New Yorks, a few people saying, hi, Ramit. Thank you for everything. Ramit, my dream is to buy commercial real estate. Interesting time to think about that. Um, just want to acknowledge, A, this is a global crisis and people taking our advice or your advice rather, uh, Ramit, from 
like literally the corners of the globe. Got Malaysia, New Zealand, Oslo. Nothing from Africa yet, but I'm sure that's because they're they're lurking and haven't commented yet. But a thank you for this service, my man, and for providing some insights. And it, like these simple phone calls to get back into our thread. Um, what about people who um, are introverted and are worried about um, just the concept of making that phone call? Is it just, <laughs> is it time to like, just like figure it out and get on that horse? Because if not, you're going to be a lot worse off. Like what's your advice there? My advice is that it's the rules that used to apply don't apply anymore. So if in the past it was like, I don't know, I'll figure it out later. You got to figure it out now. Now, if you truly don't want to make a phone call, you can send them an email. But if that doesn't work, they're not, they're backed up for months. What else can you do? You can get your friend to call for you. Okay. That's creative. That's a creative solution. Or ultimately, if that doesn't work, you got to figure out a way to pick up the phone yourself. Listen, if you need help picking up the phone, come to one of my fireside chats on Instagram. I will coach you through it myself. We'll do it together if I can. I'll try my best. The point is, in this time, you got to find a way to do what needs to be done. It can't be about that won't work because dot, dot, dot. It's got to be I'm going to find a, do, a way to do it by dot, dot, dot. That's amazing advice. Other tactics. I want to keep pulling on this thread. Yeah. We we were we talked. There's a balance of sort of the personal and the business, and I don't care how you want to commingle them, but keep giving us uh, prescriptions okay. for how to take care of our finances in this crazy time. So step one was to focus on building that one year of emergency fund. Again, I want to reemphasize, why am I talking about an emergency fund? Things are going to get worse, I believe. Many people are going to lose their jobs. There's already millions who have. 3.3 million in the U.S., yeah. Unbelievable and going up. We need to prepare first for that. Remember, you have unemployment available. You have the CARES Act, which will soon become clarified. There will become options, even though the noise right now is deafening. So use those. That will help you on that. Uh, Because you've cut your expenses, you will be able to put some more of that aside as much as possible. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I'm now shifting a little bit. What about the people who already have an emergency fund? What about the people who've been reading I Will Teach You Be Rich for years? They're set. They're like, what do I do now? Well, I'm going to tell you. You Step two, keep investing. Follow your IWT investment plan because there are opportunities in downturns. Just, I'm not saying put a whole bunch more, keep following your plan. And then step three, and this is for everybody, you need to focus on your earnings. Your earnings, whether you are a nine to five employee, whether you are a solopreneur, a creative, or you own your own business with multiple employees, you gotta start thinking about, hey, there are no rules for me to follow right now like there were two months ago. I got to find a way to make this work. Or if it doesn't work, accept it. It didn't work. I got to pivot and find my next thing to boost my earnings. That is your basic framework for your personal finances. I was uh, on on the uh, broadcast earlier today with uh, a fine dining restaurant in Seattle. It's been around for 70 years. It's this absolutely iconic place. It's uh, always so well respected from wine spectator from the James Beard award. They have the James Beard best new chef. You and your wife Cass would love it. Um, you know, when next time we're, you're in Seattle, my man, we're going to go there and we'll get, uh, we'll, we'll have an, a, a meal to remember. Love but, it. And they were 
So they've been a 70-year-long establishment in this iconic building overlooking the lake here, uh, overlooking Lake Union. And they spun out three concepts in three weeks. The first pivot was they went from fine dining. They, for the first, second time in 70 years, they called people and said, we have to cancel your reservation because of health code. The following week, they had a thousand, they served a thousand hamburgers in a drive-through manner from this. It, it, it is absolutely stunning, the transformation. And so much so that, and, and this is, to me, this is a story about pivoting and, and not taking no for an answer and reconciling this, like, I don't want to be uncomfortable with, like, doing whatever needs to be done. Yep. So imagine having a business, if you could to where a thousand people will come to you to get a hamburger. Unbelievable. And, and then they realized that they were, cr- and even in a world where there's no traffic because no one's driving, they created such a traffic jam for the city that that business they determined was unsustainable. So they had to shift gears again. And what? Yeah. In the second week. And so they pivoted to, you know, delivering, these extraordinary meals to they made all of their servers they said well if a server can go from you know the kitchen to the table and there are new laws now because of uh covid that are allowing your insurance some variance laws in insurance like okay great i mean it's all about how how do they help people keep their jobs and it's like you don't have to do this but if you want to keep your job will give you the ability to deliver food around the city. So they turned this, a, a waiter or a server into a delivery person. And so many of them and their staff were grateful just to have a job. And now they're talking about doing a thousand dinners across the city every night. Unbelievable. So, yeah. And this is in a week, you yeah. know, and we had these guys on earlier today and it was just extraordinary. The mindset was remarkable. And so I'm asking you on the backside of that story and your tough love about, Hey man, you've got to figure out a way and get after it. Like what's the, you know, do you have any mindset advice? Like, because there's, you know, fear gets in the way of a lot of people taking action and well, I can't do that because I've never served burgers before said the James Beard best new chef. (laughs) And, and then, you know, he didn't say that for long and he was like, boom, I'm in. And they were doing a, you know, a $17 burger. I think that, um, in times like this, I think heroes are created and most of them will never call themselves a hero. The story you just told is a story of a hero, right? He is fighting. They are fighting for their employees jobs and they're fighting to maintain some semblance of the business they used to have. And there will be time for them to mourn that it turned from what it used to be into what it is now. But this is not the time for that. There are heroes created and they come in all shapes and sizes. You know, I think about, um, I think about my parents who came here as immigrants. My dad came here and he came first. He, uh, went to a culture he did not know. And he looked different because he wore a turban. He told me stories as I got older, in my 20s. He told me stories about how he would go to an engineering uh, job as an applicant. And he used to call himself Paul because it was easier for people to pronounce. And he would show up in his turban and beard 
and they would say, we don't have any jobs. And he would say, well, I have an appointment at four. And they would say, we don't have any jobs. And this happened over and over. And I just think to myself, would I be strong enough to do something like that, to go to a different country and be treated that way when I'd spoken to the guy two hours earlier? But he did what he had to do, and he found jobs. And then my mom came over, and then we were all born here. So that, that mentality, whether it be immigrants, whether it be Americans who are moving west, of we're going to find a way to do it, those are rich tapestries in our culture. And I think that now is the time where we get a chance to actually exercise those. All right. You mentioned a, 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 an earlier thread that I want to go back and pull on, which was for the people who have been saving right now. Um, I want to thank you however many years ago, f- maybe seven years ago, um, my wife Kate and I automated all of our finances in line with your prescriptions. And, um, you know, we are... Um, very fortunate and um we've taken your advice uh is so as someone who's in that position based on your advice um and for others who are um either through your advice or through just um their own intuition or or good habits of savings like let's just say you are sitting on something uh, a little nest egg and you've got your year or plus or you've got uh, maybe even a little bit more, or wh- wh- regardless of its uh, amount, like there's the ability in your mind and heart to play offense. Let's keep pulling on this offense thread because yeah. I, I think some people don't know what that looks like. And and you know this, we, we're getting someone. Um, you know, my dream is to do commercial real estate. Well, I'm not quite so sure that just like pursuing your dream willy nilly in a time, unless you've got a ton of cash and. Prices are probably going to go down and interest rates are good. So give me a little clarity on how to play offense. Okay. So I'm so glad we're talking about this because my first edition of my book, I wrote it and published it in 2009. That was the, March 2009 was the bottom of the recession. So I go out on tour and all these local producers were like, Ramit, why are you talking about investing and growth? We have 10% unemployment. And I looked at them and said, I understand, but we also have a lot of people employed who want to grow. They want to get ahead. And they looked at me like I was a Martian. But had they followed that advice of investing, of looking for opportunities, they would have uh, profited tremendously. So let's talk about what you can do. First of all, remember how I said for business owners, you must believe that your business is important yeah. and, and, that, and that it may die, but you must believe it's important. Same thing for personal investments. You must believe that the future is brighter than what it is right now, okay? But you must also accept it's probably going to get a lot worse in the short term. That is exactly how I'm thinking about it. So it's going to get worse and worse. And if you look at what has happened in prior uh, massive downturns, although nothing has been like this, you start to see a pattern where it goes you know, I'm speaking generally about the market. Yeah, no, this is like, let's, let's not tie ourselves to convention here. Let's have a real conversation. Like, okay. what do you think is going to happen and, and what are we going to do about it? So what happens in general is uh, market goes down. People go, oh my God, that's crazy. You get a lot of people um, selling early, but then there, there, there's some sort of false hope. It goes up. It's called a dead cat bounce. It goes back up, down and down until at the point it's like, everybody's like, this is it. Like it's never, nothing is ever going to be good again. And you know, this is those phrases, there's all these phrases about, 
um, not buying until certain bad things are happening. And, and then if history follows, that's when we start to see some sort of recovery. So what do you do if you have your savings, if you have your investments built up, if you have some opportunity you want to play offense? Well, there's a couple things. Let's say that you have an extra amount of cash. And again, I'm Chase, I'm so glad we're talking about this because it, we, we started off by talking about what if you don't have enough cash, what kind of opportunities can you take, uh, make available, including uh, unemployment, which you should. Yep. But there are also a lot of people watching who have a lot of money. Yeah. And this is something that is not gonna be talked about for the next two years in the press because it's politically incorrect. But there are a lot of people who've been saving and investing diligently. So they're ready, what do I do? Well, let's talk about it. If you have a large amount of cash or some extra cash and you wanna invest it, you can put it into the market. Now, the market is already down you know, 30% or so. There's a couple strategies, data, says that you should just lump sum, put it in the market, because basically two thirds of the time the market goes up, so you should just put it in. Some long, others long are term, long term. Long term, long yeah. term. This is not for the next six months, year. This is long term, like you don't need it for 10 years plus. Uh, another way to do it is to dollar, or is to basically periodically invest it into the market. So you could, it's also called DCA, dollar cost average. You could put, let's say you have, I'm just gonna make it easy math, Let's say you have $12,000. You could put $1,000 a month and set it up to go automatically. Now, what's happening here? You know, it's funny that when, again, I'm speaking strictly financially, not about what's going on with the health system, because that is a whole different uh, tragedy. Right. Yeah, we can't, um, we can't tackle all the problems right now. We got enough with our finance stuff, but yes. aim, aim, we have to, again, be able to hold the space, acknowledge that that stuff's happening. It's horrible. And another conversation, though. Yes, um, if you go to a store and toothpaste is on sale for 30% off, most people are thrilled. But the minute the market goes down, we think of it the opposite way. That's bad. Why? I wanted to wait till it gets higher, then I'll buy. It doesn't make any sense. So again, if you believe that over the long term, the market will go up, which I do. And in fact, I have put additional money into the market and I will every month, then you know a way to continue investing and position yourself for growth. So I think there is a strict investment of finances. And we talked about that. That was something that we agreed to like, okay, someone's sitting on some cash, but I would like to uh, tell a short story about my own experience that didn't involve extra money that involved a different kind of investment. And I want you to uh, react and coach me tell me where I went right or wrong. And this okay. is one of those, I'm just going to say this is, has a happy ending. And I think I nailed it, but uh, I'm just using an example um, of not investing dollars, but investing in um, a different direction. So in 2007, um, I think I had 14 employees as a photographer, which was virtually unheard of. I mean, think, you know, and I was one of the top commercial photographers in the world. Um, you know, working for only almost exclusively Fortune 100 brands all over the world, like the kind of things where you go to New Zealand for a month with a hundred people to make ten photographs. Very, very different than what most people think about a, as a photographer. And so I had a, a staff, and and when the downturn came, we immediately cut costs on everything that we deemed was non-essential. And we, it was pretty, 
it was pretty comfortable around. I mean, we like paid for all of our food for all of our employees. If you were at work, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And so that was an example of something that we cut or, or didn't completely eliminate, but dramatically reduced. And there are a bunch of other things we used to, you know, um, you know, get, um, not economy airfare. And we used to do a bunch of things. We, we basically cut everything that was non-essential. We had made a commitment not to, to do our best, not to lay anyone off. And instead of trying to focus on the half a dozen customers that were still willing to spend money, which fortunately, again, when you are a proven commodity or not a commodity, a proven, um, service in a down economy, they, people aren't making bets. They go to the trusted source. But what I want to focus on, I'm, I'm trying to set the, set the, the stage because it's, it would be unfair for me not to say that there weren't these protections in place, but I just, I, I, I pivoted away from trying to find a ton of other commercial work that would have been disproportionately hard because we know he had a savings account. We knew he had cut expenses. And instead what I invested in is an area where I thought we had the people, the people, instead of directing their services towards, you know, customers that are out there in the world that we didn't have a long line of about the door. We had just enough to keep the business at, let's just call it um, a steady state. But we started making uh, an insane amount of content for our community. And it was a slingshot because in a world like we're in right now, and here we are sort of, quote, making content, but it's just a playbook that has worked over and over. And it was just looking to infuse value it's almost like the comment that you said earlier when you invest in your customers and then they're going to remember that. So I yeah. felt like there was this massive boon and I've always looked at that. I don't think I knew what I was doing back then. I, I wouldn't have had a name for it. It was all instinct, but I just, it's, it's important for people to understand that investment doesn't only mean dollars. So I want you to react to that story. Um, you don't need any more. I don't need any more high fives. I've already patted myself on the back enough. <laughs> Wearing a hole through my shirt here, patting myself on the back. That's the thing. You and I, we're already going to high-five ourselves, so we don't need anyone to tell us we're great. We already do enough of that, right? Okay, great. But it's it's like there's this, like, you can invest things other than money, and it's about how you spend your time. So talk to me about that. Talk to our community about that. Let me reflect on what I just heard Chase say, because one of the things you will notice about certain entrepreneurs is they have an instinct for doing certain things. And they can't really put their finger on it, but they just know when to pivot or they start talking about certain topics and everybody else catches up two and a half years later. There's an instinct. And it it would be like Malcolm Gladwell writes about if you asked a famous tennis player to explain how he serves, he actually would have no idea. But you can watch him and you can observe what's going on. And I think to watch you, Chase, And that story you just told, you did the mechanics of what any entrepreneur should do. You cut your costs. Good job. You focused on your customers that were already there. Good job. But then there's this almost magical seeming, ineffable sense of, I'm just going to do this. And I think entrepreneurs, once you've gotten the mechanics out of the way, if you can start to say, man, yes, I need to accept that my business may not be around, but this is also a time to experiment and to play. So I'm doing these fireside chats every night. Funny enough. By the way, bro, your fire's out. It is like O-U-T. 
<laughs> you can't so even can't, can't no no fireside I chat. I can't even keep a fire going. <laughs> this is All my right. my black hole uh, chat. Like there's a black yeah, hole exactly. over my shoulder. <laughs> so you know, funny enough, independently, we didn't even talk. I started doing these fireside chats. It's a similar playbook to what you did. Yeah. Let's create amazing content. Let's help in the way we know how to help. Let's connect more deeply with our community than ever. And I will figure out the business mechanic part of this later. But let me first just connect deeply and help people. And if you do that, if you really are a part of someone's day every day, you're going to figure out a way to help grow your business. It might take a week. It might take a year. But that is something that almost it's almost like money can't buy that connection. Yeah. And, and as I think about it, just here in mid-conversation, that's what this is, right? This is what Creative Live TV is. It's going back to our roots of live broadcasting. But this is a thing that we are potentially uniquely set up, certainly in our industry, to do. There's no other live, real live, like, company like a Creative Live that that has these roots. And yeah. great, we're just running to our roots. What we know how to do is connect, you know, people like yourself and other legends to um, and this isn't a class. There's no like formal agreement. This is like me and a buddy having a conversation, hoping to help. And I've observed that with your fireside chats every night at eight thirty Eastern time. It's like clockwork, yeah. and I come to depend on it. Yeah, uh, you know, I will say that there's something kind of refreshing about keeping it super simple. I do them on my iPhone. My wife is the videographer, and there's no QA. Like I, I go on and I rant and I tell stories and I help people and then it's over. And sometimes they're 10 minutes and sometimes they're one hour. But this time of being able to experiment and to say, you know, all these things I thought I had to do with my business, maybe I can strip it down and do this one thing and do it super creatively. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Uh, my wife is a personal stylist, so she works with um, – people one-on-one. She goes into their closet. She takes them shopping in New York or she flies to work with clients. You know, at first when something like this happens, it's like this business is over because it's a luxury business for clothes and you need to be physical. Mm -hmm. Well, what is the core of it? People want to look good and feel good, whether they are out or whether they are working from home and they're on Skype or Zoom with their colleagues. Guess what? Adapt. And that's exactly what she's been doing. Similarly, I want to point out one other thing you mentioned about your Fortune 100 clients. For entrepreneurs out there, please, please, please reach out. Start with your top 10 best clients. Send them an email. Hey, how are you doing? I hope you're safe. Is there anything I can do to help you, first of all? And then I'd love to talk to you on the phone. Get on the phone with 10 of them. Then do it to 50. I had the guy who cuts my hair, their uh, salon or whatever it's called, they sent an email today saying, hey, all the, the stylists here are out of work. If you would like to prepay for when you come back, please do. I sent him a big check. So your clients want to help. Reach out to them, ask them, and tell if you have something they need to buy, tell them I would really love your support right now. That's brilliant advice. And I think that also shows the generosity and, you know, again, the financial impacts of this are still TBD, but... You know, there are people who um, for whom, you know, they whether it's through a um, like an unemployment or other mechanisms are going to be on their last dollar. And then there are people who have a little bit of reserves and, you know, to be looking for 
able ways that they can support in yeah. in an, like I'm trying to buy takeout uh, as much as possible from restaurants that we know have safe practices and for whom are open and serving the public and like just it, it is a small thing because we have to eat it's 25 percent more expensive than cooking yourself and they'll never ever forget it because yeah. you help yeah. them in their time of need that that's the that's the other thing i want to talk about for the people who have built up their savings whether using my book or whatever method this is a time for generosity and whether it be prepaying the people that you work with normally uh, and saying, you know what, hold on to the cash. When this all gets settled, we can deal with that later. Uh, whether it's um, ordering from your local restaurants and paying a very, very generous tip to those uh, delivery people. This is a time for that. And if you've got the savings for it, that cash is probably not material to you. But to the person receiving it, could it could be life or death. It really could be because they can continue to work in a safe way. So I just, um, one of the core tenets of IWT is to really think outside the spreadsheet. Forget, once you get the mechanics done, turn the page, look outside. And that comes down to the people you love and respect, the people around you. And whether it's a waiter or a delivery person, a vendor that you work with, a partner, like if you have the money, this is the time of all times to deploy it. Yeah. And this idea of offense being something that isn't only financial, like yeah. what can you do to help other folks? I, I think the, the, um, you know, we're talking about it through the lens of, uh, primarily through finance because that's what your book's about. And you've, you've created a bunch of businesses and helped a lot of people with that, but there's a way to invest in, um, you know, you've, you've seen so many of these amazing stories on the internet, right. Of helping, um, an older adult safely get groceries or safely yeah. get supplies. And, um, our last guest, Vanessa Van Edwards was talking about the, that obviously benefits that person if you can do it safely, but it also, the, the dividends that it pays for your, you know, serotonin and your, your biochemistry is it lasts a long, a lot yeah. more than, uh, taking care of yourself. So <clears throat> investing, yeah, there, Investing does not just have to be about money, absolutely. And in fact, time can be um, more valuable sometimes. So I think a couple of things. There are some great articles out that I've been looking up myself about what can you do. And there are some articles, I believe, on the New York Times and a few other places if you search, how can I help during coronavirus? Uh, for example, there's places you can pick up groceries for elderly people, things like that. But there's also just calling them on the phone and speaking to people. Imagine someone who's isolated for weeks, soon to be months. Uh, and that is somebody who may not have um, social bonds or relationships like you do. The other thing is, let's not forget about our own loved ones too. So uh, Cass and I have been doing Zoom calls with couples that we know, with our family every weekend, and just reconnecting in the way that we can. And um, it's a blast, you know, it's different than usual. I learned that when I do a family Zoom call, there's like all these nieces and nephews on there. And it's not the same as when I do a company call. When I do a company call, we all have an agenda. And you're the no boss. Shaking the screen. I'm the boss. Exactly. There's no one shaking the screen like they're having a seizure. So we learned children. They... 
I need to get that. <laughs> so anyway, whatever. We're having a great time. And it's just it's a way for us to have some sense of normalcy and actually to connect with friends we haven't in a while. That's something I just can't say enough about. Yeah, that's an investment uh, of the kind that I'm talking about, right? Like uh, I, I'm, I'm getting texts and I'm trying to send as many as I can and FaceTime and the technology that we've got has just been um, it's been a powerful powerful cornerstone of this weird chapter that we're in so um shifting gears to uh, let's just have like a super real talk we started to go there and then we went back to sort of investing but like um you've said a couple times you think it's going to get worse financially before it gets better i think that i'm in the same camp Um, i'm wondering if you can like it's risky to do this but in the spirit of just like let's pretend that you and I were having dinner at the Ace Hotel, eating a big steak and talking about stuff we'd normally talk about. Like, you know, man, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Well, this is, again, this is just my personal views, but if we were just talking, um, I, you know, this is when a thousand people listening. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I've told Cass that I don't think uh, we'll be heading back to our home for several more months. And I think that unemployment will go sky high, like higher than even the projections say. Um, I think that, you know, most importantly, the number of debts will go up. And um, I, we usually travel at the end of every year. We're certainly not going to be doing that this year. Um, so I think effectively from now until the end of the year minimum, uh, I'm not planning anything in terms of like movement. And, you know, they discuss a vaccine possibly happening next year, and that's great, and I'm looking forward to that. But, um, you know, I, I remember two weeks ago, somebody on one of my fireside chats said, I have a wedding in August, what should I do? And I was like, cancel it. I hate to say it because I know what goes into a big wedding, yeah. but cancel it. it. It's better to s- even recover some of the money now than to think and dream that it's going to happen. And I think that, you know, two weeks later, that's only become increasingly true. Um, so that's my take. What do you think? Um, I'm in the same boat. I, I haven't written off the entire year, but I, I believe we won't see a, a peak in the death rate for a couple more months. Certainly. I think it will taper off from there. This is just based on the science that I'm reading specifically a lot of stuff coming out of the college of London, uh, UK. I think that was a, a really shocking paper that came out. Um, I'm trying to go to the source research uh, as much as possible versus the summaries. Um, and I do think that there is a tendency to be too optimistic too soon. And I am guilty of that. Like, I'm the guy who I've been sick, at, not literally with coronavirus, but in a previous universe. Like, I, you know, I, I got ill on it kick my ass for a little bit and then the first time I feel better I'm like oh great I can go for a run and then I relapse a little bit like oh I gotta get I just try and restart too soon so I think certainly the American economy has that um and it's a it's an it's a spirit of ingenuity it's hard to to talk shit about it but um I think that we're, we're at great risk for that um returning to jobs and to uh, attempting to go back to normal life too soon. So yeah. I think we're going to get, we're going to see a couple of those. Um, and I don't think it's dissimilar to what some other countries are already seeing with their hospitalizations. If they've, you know, they're, 
to be fair, it's like we, we looked at China um, as a leading indicator and China is um, they are an authoritarian state. Like they can point a thermometer gun at your forehead and say, you're sick. You have to go get in that line over there. It doesn't matter if you're with your family or not with your family or your brother or son or a daughter or whatever. You're like, sorry, you're in the quarantine zone over here. And so if, if it's been as hard for them to um, squash the virus as it has for um well, if they're the if they're the example of like, oh, they're under control and it only took five months. Great. Well, we have a very, very different society, a very different culture that doesn't have that uh, sort of top down um, experience. And so I don't think we're going to be as I, don't, I think that's the wrong measuring stick. So financially, um, I'm trying to be very simple and. I, I philosophically believe that um, I think this ties to our financial conversation, um, but philosophically believe that when a, a human organism runs too hard and just does too many things and there's too much anxiety and stress and whatever in our lives, what does our body do? Our body gets sick and gets sick in the, the simplest terms. And it also can you know cause cancer. And there's a lot of the mind body connection is very, very real. It's scientific. It's not some hokey pokey. And I think potentially that's part of what's happening with culture. Like it was getting really hard, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, influx of um, information that we're not, hadn't really been handling well. And so there's a little bit of a reset going on. And it's my hope that amidst, again, we have to continue to be able to hold these two things. The, the number of deaths, the death rate goes up. And those are people, those aren't statistics. Those are human beings that have, that are daughters and wives and husbands and cousins and whatnot, but that it, will cultivate some sort of a reconciliation with where with the path that we're on and the path that we need to be on. So, yeah. And I think if you look at that through a financial lens, like, um, you know, this, look, here we are with the financial uh, in, or in the wake of the financial crisis in 2007-89, pretty much, you know, we're the mortgage rates and all that stuff was heading to a pretty crazy um, crazy rates and getting aggressive and regulations and whatnot. It's like, okay, cool. Maybe it's just a little bit too soon. And we're going to probably come out of it with some new, um, appreciation for the safety net that, that, um, we, most of us will experience in some way, shape or form, either professionally or personally. That that's, that's another thing that I, you know, we're, we're here to talk about personal finance and personal businesses, but I don't think we can neglect the elephant in the room, which is, uh, government response and how um, pandemics are political. Mm-hmm. Pandemics are by definition political. And I won't get into the politics here. You can follow me on Twitter and I occasionally talk politics there. But I'll simply say that I hope there is a reckoning for the way that this country handles politics because uh, this isn't just a virus that happened. It's our political response that should really infuriate people. And right now, you know, there's just a lot of um, both sides, which I don't believe in at all. However, as people's grandparents start to die, as their parents start to die, as others become ill, that will, my hope is that it will make people say, you know what, this response has been absolutely abysmal. So I won't get it more into my political soapbox no. there, but it's something that people need to understand. I've had a p- couple of people say to me, stick to finance. And I, my response, and by the way, for anyone who goes out as a creator 
and shares their views on what's going on. You will always have, no matter how big or small you are, someone will always say, stick to what you know. I have two responses to that. First of all, this is my show, not yours, right? My newsletter, my social media, I get to say whatever I want, and I'm glad for that. Number two, pandemics are political. And so we need to acknowledge that. We can't simply say it's both sides. It's not. Yeah, I, I think, you know, whether you call it political or whether you um, are willing to take some arrows, um, I think that the um, our ability to um, to navigate challenging issues makes us stronger. And this is something unlike we've never seen. And if you asked and this goes for billionaires as well as it does for a minimum wage worker, that no one saw this coming. Well, not no one, but you know, it goes back to our, the government thing in a very quick, quick fashion, doesn't it? There's like, our, we pay our government to, to think about this stuff for us so we don't have yeah. to. Um, but it's, we are all in this together, and I think that is an important piece of information to hold close to us and if you look at what the downstream what what downstream what you can do kindness is like at the root of you know kindness and human connection and the fact that we are all in this together like especially people that you might not normally um see eye to eye with or run to like they're in a similar position uh from the perspective of being a human being yeah. So, uh, you know, that's my hope is that there is a, uh, a reconnection around those values, specifically kindness, love, empathy um, and shared, you know, the, the human connection of shared struggle is uh, it's been absent for a long time. Yeah. You know what? It's been it's been generations since for everybody watching in America, it's been generations since we were asked to do something together for our country. Think about that generations. Mm-hmm. This one has been foisted upon us. And at least in some states, <laughs> we're being asked to stay home. That is that is the limit right now. It needs to be more, but that is what we're being asked to do. And people are respecting it. I, like you, Chase, I think that most people are very good. Mm-hmm. And I think in times like this, we see some of the best come out of people. So we start, we take care of ourselves. We make sure there's a roof over our head. We make sure our loved ones are taken care of. We make sure that we've covered all the mechanics. We cut expenses. We look at what we can do. And then we mourn what used to be. But then we accept that change needs to happen. And then we start to look forward. And I think if we can do that, I can't promise that everybody's business is going to stay. I can't promise. I wish I could. Some businesses, some people, some jobs will be gone forever. But I, I do believe in the long term that this is an amazing country. Also, everybody around the world will be experiencing and learning with how others react. And that I absolutely 100% believe there is a brighter future. So um, that is my personal take. But I think as entrepreneurs, we are both eternal optimists. Yeah. And in this case, I hope that even though the short term may be worse, I, I think you and I both believe the long term will be um, good. Said better than I could say it, my man. I want to say thanks. I was going to say for the fireside chat, but I just cannot not <laughs> not look at that black hole over your right shoulder. It's terrible, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, look at there's I, a little flicker. I think that might actually be a pilot. Should have got a fake light. screen behind me. That would have been the way to go. And over the holidays, <laughs> we broadcast a uh, one of those crackling fires, the Yule log. 
it's got tens of millions of views. We've got one of those on our YouTube channel, and it's like we should just green screen your Ramit's fireplace there. But man, I want to, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show and uh, and um, helping us kick off uh, the first public day of Creative Live TV. Um, appreciate you and and your fireside chats are killing it. Um, I love it. The other day, my, my wife was like, I stepped away from the dinner table for a long time. And she's like, what are, where were you? And I was like, oh, sorry, I got sucked into the internet. And, uh, and I was, confessionally, I was watching uh, your fireside chat. And it was fun to hear some of the threads you talked about in previous versions come in here today. So appreciate you big time, my man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone for watching. I appreciate you all. Of course. Uh, best to Cass. And uh, we'll, we'll catch up offline soon, bud. Sounds good. All right. Hey, that was an awesome episode. But before you bounce, just I got three quick thoughts. First, thank you for being in this community. It gives me so much juice. I can't even tell you. So much juice that when I hit publish and this show goes out into the ether, that there's an amazing community of like-minded people just like you consuming and sharing the show. So thank you. Second, it would be huge. It would mean the world to me if you left a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Now, we're regularly featured at the top slot there on Apple's podcast page and others in Spotify, etc. And that's because of your reviews. So if you've ever wanted to uh, lend a hand or you got some value from me in the past and you want to pay it forward, that would be amazing. And then lastly, it would also mean the world to me if you shared the content that you get here whether it's a screenshot or a photo of where you're listening, anything via Instagram stories um, or any other social feeds tagging me and the guests. Now, I repost this content and your comments all the time, so I would love to share your shoutouts in my feed too. Um, not only do these shoutouts, uh, are, are they good for you and me, but they also help us book amazing guests because they see the reach that you cultivate. This is a way for you to help contribute to the show. So again, want to say thanks i'm just at chase jarvis you can use at creative live as well and the guests are easy to track down because they are well they're usually quite well-known people um but again thank you so much for listening i'm looking forward to being in your ears again hopefully tomorrow